Thanks for listening to Fire the Cannon. We're part of the 1012 Network. A podcast network entirely focused on the Big 12 Conference. They are going to hate us and the, the bullseye even got bigger. Longhorn Nation, we're back! Welcome back to another episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Rocky. I'm Hannah. And I'm Megan. And we're Fire the Cannon. Thank you so much. We're excited to be back. And we have amazing special guests today. You already know them, Texas Football Talk, because you watch them on YouTube. Two brothers who have blown up, Clinton, Jeremy, Lockerbie. They're lifetime Longhorn fans. They have this amazing YouTube channel that they just started a year ago, and it is already huge. Thousands of followers, thousands of views. They talk about Longhorn sports with other passionate Longhorn fanatics. This is the amazing part is they don't just talk about the recruits. They get the recruits on to interview. They break down O-line, D-line, DBs, like all the info you need. Welcome, Clinton Jeremy. Hey, thanks for having us. So, so happy to be here. Um, again, it's honored to be on with uh, Fire the Cannon. I, I can tell you that uh, when, when Rocky reached out to us, it was it was definitely a yes, and it was a really fast yes uh, to come on here because <laughs> I, I can tell you that if, if there's fans of, of, of Texas uh, sports, Texas Longhorn sports, University of Texas sports, it, it's definitely you three. Um, to me, you're the queens of, of University of Texas sports, so it, it's, a, it's an honor <laughs> to be on here with you tonight and definitely talk. Uh, obviously, uh, Luke sounds like uh, fall. I'll fall preview of what's going on. So definitely excited. Thank you for having there, us. There are worse things to be called than, you know, a queen of Texas football talk. So. <laughs> and trust me, we've been called it. So We've been called all sorts of things. So Everybody loves that. <laughs> all right. Well, welcome. So we'll let everybody know what we're going to talk about today. The season's coming up, approaching quickly. And so we want to talk all things Texas football today. Now that we have Texas football talk with us, we're going to break down what we've, what we're loving and hearing about fall camp from the coaches and players. They're holding press conferences. We also want to break down player slash position group predictions. What are we looking for? What are we excited about? What are we predicting? And then we'll get into season predictions, not just Texas, but the whole Big 12. We'll all give our super-duper amazing predictions that we know are all going to come true. All right. <laughs> so let's get started. First, we want to get to know you because maybe there's somebody who's living under a rock and doesn't watch your YouTube videos. Tell us about you and tell us about your, what you've got going on and your whole setup. So, so I think Jeremy knows, if you haven't watched this on YouTube, Jeremy, he kind of pointed at me because he knows the, I'm the one who usually talks uh, the most. So I think he'd rather <laughs> me do this than, than him. I, I can tell you that um, just a little bit about who we are and how we kind of started uh, a year ago. Um, both of us are, are service members. Uh, at that particular point, uh, we were both, um, I think I was just retired and Jeremy's still active duty. Um, we were both in Korea um, in 2018. And I can tell you, trying to hunt down uh, content when it came to the University of Texas, um, you know, sports, Specifically football, uh, what was difficult? Watching games at three o'clock in the morning was very, very difficult. And, and we kind of reached out to YouTube, and and there were a couple of really uh, a couple of YouTube uh, content creators that we kind of kind of just focused in on. One of them being a fanatic perspective, who at this particular point has about ten thousand, uh, you know, ten thousand subscribers, and another one being RJ Young. Uh, and unfortunately, RJ Young was the Oklahoma. He's an Oklahoma guy. But we were having to go get University of Texas, you know, content from him because right. he was putting that stuff out. From the completely unbiased source of RJ Young. Right. Yeah. 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 Either good, bad or indifferent. You know, that's where you kind of get your, your information at. But, you know, obviously 2020 brought, you know, the pandemic and brought the COVID and, and we were kind of sitting at home. Um, and Jeremy called me uh, on, on a weekday in June and said, hey, you know, we talk about football all the time. Like we're, we're literally three or four or five times, you know, hell during the football season, usually about three or four times a day for like, you know, hours on end talking passionately about, you know, recruiting and, and, and you know, what's happening and what schemes are and what the defensive coordinators look like and in and, and positions and so on and so forth. And he's like, Hey, have, have you thought about doing a YouTube, like a YouTube channel? And I'm like, dude, you're crazy as hell, man. Like absolutely not, not on any kind of level. And I was telling, you know, Rocky, before we came on here, if you go back and listen to the first video that we did, um, you know, it was phone to phone, phone to phone somehow. I don't even think we're on zoom. We're kind of like phone to phone, like microphone. And then it was, <laughs> 
like a 30 minute video that you could probably only understand five minutes of. And I think we've now taken it off. I think for this particular, it may be on there. I'd have to ask Jeremy. It may be on, but I think we've taken it off. We're going to need um, a resurgence, though. Come on, y'all. We we, we, we got to reminisce about how terrible we all were our first um, episode. We, right? we have yet to release our first episode. <laughs> our, our series starts at like episode three or four because we did not release our first few. Yeah. They were prime. I think one of ours, I was literally on the phone at Yellowstone National Park, like right outside June, just like straight up calling in and pouring down rain. I'm sitting in my truck because I have my dogs with me at in the, the motel that I'm staying at. So that wasn't going to do So I'm, We get it. We get it, man. So, yeah. so he called it wrong. He said it was a video. It was not a video. It was a, a YouTube <laughs> audio broadcast. Like he said, phone to phone. And my wife said, hey, man, you guys sound pretty good you sound like you know what you're talking about maybe you should actually do a video on youtube versus just you know phone to phone and audio recordings and like you said it's and it's passion driven like we we put out so much content because again like rocky was talking about earlier we get the football players on here because we've been around high school football players all of our lives you know we played high school football yeah. in soto and been around athletics all of our life. And it's the kids that, that, that inspire us, you know, to, to, to watch like champ that we had champ Lewis, that we had an interview with last night, watch him progress through his senior year of high school, get to the 40 acres. And he said it himself, I want to come there. I want to compete for a starting job. As soon as I hit campus, those are the guys. That, and, and again, we've always been about sports. Always. My mom, my mom will tell you that me and Clint would watch crickets race because we're always into competition and competing regardless of what it is. And, and I, I did, I called him and I said, Hey brother, I think we could do this. I think we can, because of our knowledge of the sport and our passion for the sport, I think that we can engage folks. And that's what we did. We just wanted to educate folks because we didn't feel like we were getting it, like you said, back in Korea. And so that's what Texas football talk is all about. It's a fan-based YouTube show. And that, I think that's the most appealing part. And Clint, Clint says it very well, is we do two, we try to do two interactive live shows a week with the guys that watch us. And we take every, we try to take every question. We try to take every comment and make it personal. Uh, again, that's just who we are. Is we, we try to take time and like every post, comment to everybody who, who sends awesome. us a DM if we possibly could. And yeah. that's, that's what we're all about. Yeah, and I think a lot of people underestimate just like how time consuming that is. You do it as a passion project and then all of a sudden you look at your day and you're like, damn man, like half of my day is taken up the half the hours in the day are taken up by responding and keeping up to date and you do it well. So kudos to you for sure. For sure. Yeah. And we, and we really love the fact that people care because we were scheduled to have Nick Harris from two, four, seven on Monday and something came up. We're in the healthcare field. You guys understand this COVID pandemic takes, we were very busy, very, very busy with our day jobs, but for somebody to DM us and say, Hey, what happened to the show with Nick and to say, Hey, we had to postpone. It's going to be next Monday. They were looking for that. And so it's, it's real to us that we that we are making an impact. And like I said, this football season can't come soon enough because we covered one during a pandemic season, but we want to cover one when there's 105,000 folks in the stands. So, so me and Jeremy can't do it alone though. We actually, uh, his wife, Colleen um, is, uh, I, I, I'm going to let Jeremy probably tell you what her degree's in, but um, she's the one that does all of our production stuff. Like we literally show up, we talk football and then we turn it over to her and she's the one that does all the content creating. That's she does amazing. all the chop, you know, chopping, screwing, whatever you want to call it uh, to get it where it is when it gets to, you know, to YouTube. Um, again, I'm, but, where is she? Like, bring her on. Okay, like, I'll grab her towards the end. Not. If she's a part of this whole thing, then like, yeah, kudos to her. Like she needs to be celebrated. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I didn't want to not celebrate her, you know, um, because again, we're all we're doing is we're showing up, we're getting on a Zoom, we're really oh. on... Um, like, uh, like some, you know, I think we use another, you know, app now to, to do our videos and stuff, but really we get on, we talk for 30 minutes and then it goes to her and she does it and it, and it, and it she does That's what she does and it gets to YouTube. It's a lot of work. It's a lot, a lot of work. She yeah. needs to be recognized. We'll say that. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for letting people know what you're doing, why you're doing it. And most importantly, thank you for your service. We appreciate that. And thank you. Um, we're grateful Americans for you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Let's, so let's talk what everybody wants to talk about Texas football. 
we wanted to kind of get you guys, your guys' opinion on thoughts on what's happening out of the reports from camp. We've heard from Coach Sark. We've heard from some of the players. We saw the two QBs had some press conferences. They gave them some media time yesterday, and they both said, you know, they did a great job of saying, of course, they're going to advocate for themselves, but they're going to work and they're putting their heads down and they're not letting it get too much. What are you seeing from camp? What are you loving? What are you excited about? What are you, what, let's go, let's talk. I'll yeah. go first. Uh, it's thrown me for a loop. Um, we did a breakout players podcast a couple of, I want to say about six weeks ago. And my breakout players were Troy O'Meary and, and, and Brendan Schooler. And I know Brendan Schooler is probably going to have a starting safety position uh, on this football team or, or be in that top six, be in that dime package, you know, the top six DBs. Whether, whether he's playing the boundary safety or, or deep safety or in the box, they're going to find a spot for Brendan Stewart. He's going to be productive. What I'm concerned about is, is the Troy O'Meary talk, that Jordan Whittington and Joshua Moore and Kevontae Dixon are, are, are playing very, very well. And Troy O'Meary was the talk of last year's you know fall camp. Uh, and he's not doing the things he's supposed to. I think Steve Sarkeesian said he's not come back with the same amount of fire. Uh, that he had last year. So so looking to get production out of him when we're talking breakout players. Uh, but th- this thing is a meritocracy. I say that to say this. This thing is a total meritocracy. The guys that you saw starting when we left Colorado and the guys you saw start in the spring game and the guys you may see start September 4th against Louisiana may be topsy-turvy because Clint will say it when he talks. It's all about the scheme fit. Pete Kwiatkowski and Steve Sarkeesian know the kind of football players they want. And it may not be who we've seen the last two or three years playing football. Clint, you want to add? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think uh, you know, from, you know, obviously, like you're saying, it's a meritocracy. I, I think the biggest thing, it, it, to me, what that does is breeds competition. And I think if you look at, you know, the last couple of, you know, uh, coaches that we've had, it, it feels like they've gone in and known or they wanted to start who they wanted to start. And, and I don't think that, that, that meritocracy was there. And I think – um, and we use that word a lot, believe it or not. But it, it, it comes to what is the scheme fit. You may have, you know, been a better scheme fit in Chris Ash's defense last year. But if you don't fit Pete Kwiatkowski's style of, of, of nickelback, you're not going to find yourself on the field. And, and that's where I see it at. It, it's not so much – if you look at all these position groups um, right now, and I think that's really the talk of, of fall camp is what is happening with the guys that are starting – versus or the guys that have started versus who are they looking at starting now because if you go back and look at the defensive backs that's what's big for me is versatility you know you he, he want you know Pete Kukowski wants guys that are versatile that can both you know take care of the run but also cover um and if you think if you hear today you know Chris Adamora who was probably if you look at the stats was probably the most had the best stats on the whole defensive back you know in the defensive backfield last year is currently probably going to lose the starting position to Anthony Cook um, it's so it's to me, it's a good place to be. It's a really, really good place to be because if you don't show up at practice and, and show what you can do in these in, in these two teams, both on offense and defense, uh, the chances of you having a job come September 4th against Louisiana, it's not going to be there. So, you know, you were talking about Troy Omari. Like, I, I agree. We thought this guy was going to be the breakout player and he's going to be the one that's going to be the go to. But from fall camp, we're hearing a ton about worthy, right? I have every confidence. You know, in the past, we had some coaches that were hesitant to start the young guys. I mean, shit, look what happened to Bijan last year, right? Oh, he's a young guy. We want to keep him fresh. We want to do all this, right? Fuck that. Play the players that are the best players, right? And and I think we're going to get that with Sark's crew. So I agree wholeheartedly. We are going to see a crazy shakeup going on. Uh, and, and I think Sark is really the guy to bring that forward. You use the term merit, meritocracy. So we've actually heard Tom Herman say this. We heard him say this, but it's kind of laughable, right? Because obviously it's all about like the binder, the scheme. That's kind of what we got from him, which is why he has no job anymore at the University of Texas. So, um, and then you're talking about like O'Meary and the wide receiver position. Like, like what's weird about this is what's funny about the offense. That is a big question mark. The receiver the, as a group, right, is a big question mark, and we haven't faced this. I feel like we were loaded for so long at, at the receiver position. <laughs> when, when Sarkeesian says meritocracy, I actually believe him because we didn't see that. We, it, we, we heard Tom Herman's rhetoric on that, but we didn't see it, right? Santa's talking about the, the, the lack of depth of receiver or, or unknown uh, receiver contributions and we got a we're breaking in a new quarterback 
But what I will say is that the strength of this football team is its running backs and its offensive linemen. And Steve Sarkeesian doesn't use meritocracy. He says the best players will play. This whole rotation thing, right? the guys who are producing are going to get snaps. And so I feel really, really good about the, the strength of our offensive line and the strength of our offense being running back because he said it. Bichon's going to get no less than 20 carries per ball game. Roshan Johnson and Keelan Robinson are probably going to get no less than seven to 10 carries per game. And so our bell cow is going to be our run game, which is then going to help Hudson or Casey, whoever takes that job, set up that play action. So bingo. I, I definitely want to find some receivers that we can trust. But again, you got Whittington, who's a converted running back. You got Josh Moore, who's been on the field and off the field yeah. because of suspension, but was your most productive receiver last year. And then you got a kid, Xavier Worthy, who's it's his first year of college football. All right, Clint, I like that you talked about Adamora and Cook. Because coming off the bowl game against Colorado, Adamora blew up. Like, he stepped in. He made big plays when they needed him to. He was shining. And then, you know, Anthony Cook, he five-star recruit, top, you know, best in the state. He was hype, 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 was in the transfer portal. He wasn't going to be a Longhorn. He's back. And and it's like you said, it's it's the fit it's the scheme and this is the scheme where he could shine and a player that unfortunately was just coming off massive high, everybody is ready for him. I may I'm sure I trust the coaches to find a place that will fit Adam Moore because he's an insane athlete so I hope they find a place that does fit him but now you have somebody that was you know maybe struggling a bit or not fitting the schemes before with Orlando now he can shine under coach K's defense so that there's, you know, there's a give and take all the time when you have some players that maybe got pushed aside or didn't get, wasn't the right fit. And like you said, the scheme works. Yeah, I agree with that too. Like that's something that, you know, in the past, and we've, we've talked about this, all of us on each of our, our various podcasts, right? With previous regimes, you'd see the, just shove the playbook down the throat, no matter if it made sense or not. It just it got tiresome and it was a pain and we weren't putting our best players in to give us the best chance to be successful because they didn't fit the scheme that, you know, the, the offensive genius had for us. Right. But, um, but yeah, I, I do have a lot of confidence that I, I don't see that there's going to be any problem with Sark or any of the staff coming in and saying, you know what, I don't care if you're a freshman. I don't care if you've, you haven't played, you know, you're, you're showing the passion, you're putting the work in and you're the best guy for the, the position, I'm going to put you in. And I don't think that's just like an overall thing. Obviously, it's going to be for the season, but I think they're going to do that game to game. They're going to see how our players match up with our individual opponents. And I think that's something that, uh, if I can be delicate to say, we haven't been used to in the past few years texas offense is probably going to be based around Bijan robinson probably the best pick for the starting tight end and probably going to get most of the snaps it's going to be Cade. but talking about jared wiley and his game-breaking ability you talk about jatavian sanders and his game-breaking ability you talk about Braden Lybrock and his talent it's going to be important to set that running game i'm talking philosophy here offensive philosophy to set that running game so that you have the opportunity to then, in sub-packages, bring those Keelan Robinsons, the Flash Worthies, the, and, and, and the Jared Wiley's on the football field to bust big plays, because that's what Sark, Sark doesn't care about grinding the clock. He wants to score as fast as he possibly can to put Pete Kwiatkowski's defense back on the football field. Steve Sarkeesian has a lot of options. That's, uh, that's what I was basically getting at. I feel like you were also, like, there, there's lots of options, and he's a genius when it comes to schemes. We know what he can do. It's going to be fun to watch. Hopefully you mentioned Braden Laybrock. Like he got a couple of passes against UTEP and then we didn't see him for the rest of the year other than a couple of what special kickoffs or something. So I'm hoping that, well, I love Cade Brewer. I'm glad he's back. He has a super senior fifth year or something. <laughs> but then we also have some young guys, Juan Davis, Gunnar Helm. Like you mentioned, Jatavian Sanders. We have some young tight ends that could really be exciting if they do suck up for that run, it's just a little bit over the top. You might have some tight ends over the middle. That could be beautiful. And I have a feeling because of the size of our tight ends, we might actually have some tight end play back at Texas. Would be exciting. You know, we've missed out on that for so for so long. I, I love your point that you made that Sark wants to get the ball back into the hands, like get the defense back on the field, right? Well, that's something he talked about in his presser was, and, and the defensive players did too, 
is their job and their main focus is to take the ball away and give the ball back to the offense, right? So I love this idea that within our own team, between offense and defense, they're kind of playing hot potato, right? Like, no, I got the ball back. Now you take it. Now offense is going to go, all right, well, I'll take it and I'll score. Now you take it, right? Sure. Like it's going to be this back and forth consistently. And, and I'm loving that. I'm yeah. Gonna- so I just want to bring up a, a point that, that Megan brought up um, in, in talking about, you know, changing your schemes versus who you're playing. Uh, and that's exactly what you're going to see uh, both on the offensive side of the ball in, in the mismatches that that, um, that Steve Sarkeesian is going to be able to do with the players that he currently has. Both as everybody's kind of talking about Bijan Robinson. Obviously, he's going to be the bell cow of this offense. But to me, you go look at individuals like Keelan Robinson. They're going to be like Swiss Army knives. You know what I'm saying? What's the you know running back? I'm going to put you out of slot. They've talked about you know two running backs. Now Roshan and Bijan being in the backfield together. Two tight end sets. You know, three wide, uh, you know, to me, it's about changing your scheme to who you're playing. And I think what we did, we got into a, uh, if you go back and look at offenses over the last couple of years, it's pump, pump, pass, pump, pump, pass, or, you know, no, run, run the ball, run the ball, pass, run the ball, run the ball, pass. It, 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 it was, it was, there was no guessing game to the defensive coordinator on the other side because they knew exactly what was coming. On the defense side of the ball, you're going to be able to see that too. So if you go back and look at really at 2000, I want to say 2000, 18, I think Washington, 2017, 2018, Washington with Pete Kwiatkowski. Um, he play against teams like Stanford. His, his defense has changed. He goes against um, quarterback, you know, play against the Oregon or USC. His defense has changed based on who's playing. And I think that's why you have to have that vers- the versatility on his defense because he does not want to rotate players out. He wants to be able to keep the players in or that are on first down, that are on third down. Because once you start rotating people out, you know what I'm saying? It gives you an idea of what the defense is going to run. And I think if, if you, as you go through each game, regardless if it's Iowa State or if it's against Lincoln Riley, which I got a nice little stat here, that Pete Kwiatkowski uh, head-to-head against uh, uh, Grinch as a defensive coordinator in the Apple Cup, Apple Cup Washington, and Pete Kwiatkowski is 3-0 and against uh, against Grinch in Oklahoma. Y'all, y'all take that to the bank for what it's worth. Uh, it may be part of that schedule prediction at the end of this. Uh, but I think – when you look at Oklahoma and you look at Texas, that's obviously the two teams. And in Iowa State, I think you're going to see what they be doing offense, what we do on defense is going to be based on around what each team brings to the field each and every week, not the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, I'm hoping that that little nugget you threw out is a forecast of things to come. Nice. All right. So you kind of gave us a little bit of a forecast. So let's go ahead and move ahead. What are your predictions for breakout players this season? Who you're looking to really highlight? I know we kind of talked a little bit just now about who we're hearing from, but what do you predict? Maybe it's kind of going under the radar. What are you predicting of a, a position group or a person that you, a, you know, player that you just really want to see? You're expecting to shine this year. I'll go first here. My breakout player is going to be Moro Jomo. Um, and the reason is if you've listened to some couple of our shows, He's a 19-year-old junior at the University of Texas. He started playing freshman. He started playing as a freshman at the University of Texas college football at the age of 17. If you go and you look at it, it, a junior, let's say Marvin Leal, you know, from, from Converse Judson is currently playing at Texas A&M. That's a 21-year-old junior. At this particular point, that's where Moro Jomo is as a freshman. So it, right now, I think if you're if you're going to have a breakout player based on strength and explosiveness, and you want to see someone that's probably going to work themselves into a high high draftable grade by the end of the season, I'm telling you what, Moro Jomo is going to be your guy on the defensive line. Yeah, I've switched mine yeah. multiple times. Uh, like I said, we did our own show talking about breakout players a couple of weeks ago, and and we picked one on offense and one on defense. And again, mine was Troy O'Meary. Uh, we talked about his struggles in camp, and then my. Defensive player was a two-time All-Pac-12 uh, special teams player and freshman All-American and Brendan Schooler. Uh, so I don't want to use him. I'm going to go with Christian Jones, a three-star left tackle. I, Me and Clint have had a chance to, to watch Kyle Flood's coaching videos, like 54 segments, three and a half hours of how he teaches offensive linemen and the kind of offensive linemen that he looks to have in his programming. He cannot stop bragging about Christian Jones. If Kyle Flood loved every lineman like he loved Christian Jones, ladies, we have no problems. Like, <laughs> Bijan's going to go up and down the football field. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it, it's, there's an opportunity there. Uh, so, that, but that's my guy. Yeah. I love it. Maybe. I love it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think on offense, I'm, I'm definitely, I know I brought him up earlier, but I'm going to say Xavier Worthy. Like, 
maybe that's the least shocking name that I could bring up as the breakout player, right? But every, again, like we mentioned, everything that's coming out of camp is this kid is just impressing. He's got the speed, he's got the hands, and he's got the football know-how. And, and from everything that we're hearing, he is just light years ahead of where most are at yeah. his age. So yeah. I think he's going to displace some of our old guys. And I think we're going to see him get some early and meaningful minutes early, right? And I think he's going to take that spot and really break out and shine this year. I, I'm excited about the tight end play. Like, I just, like, I feel like that's something that Steve Sarkeesian is going to utilize creatively. I'm excited about that, though. I think we have options. We have more options there than we do, like, receiver, so. Yeah. I'm going to go defense of what I'm actually, I think, like, kind of a weird prediction this year. Ending the season last year, the biggest question mark ended up being linebackers, right? We had some kids playing in the bowl game who – had to step up big time for different reasons, but now we are shockingly deep at linebacker. You know, we had transfers from Notre Dame, from New Mexico State, from Bama, like an experienced, you know, experienced talent at linebackers at, from transfers from, at linebacker. But then we got Demarvian Overshone, we got some recruits, Hullaby, you know, we got Prince Dorba, Gabenda, who've been here a while. And I know they're learning a new scheme a day away. Like we, I think we have a pretty Brocker Meyer. People are, you know, high on him this year. I'm excited to actually see our linebackers. No joke this year. It actually puts maybe the defensive weakness back to the DBs. But I'm excited about the linebackers this year. And I think they're going to surprise because the D line solid. I think the linebackers are going to surprise and actually get some pressure, which we haven't had in a while. And some assisting some coverage, I think some run stop. I'm excited for the linebacking crew this year. And I'm excited that um, Sark went heavy on the transfer portal. That's just money right there. I'm, that's what I'm going to say is going to be a surprise people because they were a weakness leaving last season. I, I want to add to uh, what, you know, obviously Xavier Worthy, there's one thing for, for players to talk about, you know, a player that's, that's on the field. There's one thing to talk about coaches and coach talk when they're talking about, you know, a player on the field. But it's one thing for the players, the coaches, and the riders to all agree on something. And I think Troy O'Meary was in the same situation as, as Xavier Worthy is last year before he hurt his knee. And when you have all three groups of those people that are consistently talking about the same person, I, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. And you are going to both be right yeah. here. I have no doubt that Xavier Worthy is going to be uh, – he's probably going to probably be the leading wide receiver. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me between Whittington and Xavier Worthy because – Stark doesn't care about positions when it comes to wide receiver. He cares about putting the best players on the field at that given time. So there is no X, Y, or Z. There's a Worthy or Whittington and in a, in a whoever else he wants to put on the field to create mismatches. Yeah, whoever to create mismatches. So absolutely, Megan, I agree with you on Worthy, and it's because players, coaches, and writers are all saying the th same things about him. He sounds like he's unstoppable. If he he sounds like a Whittington in a way. Like, like he, he's so versatile, right? Like he, he, you can put, plug him in wherever you want and he's going to make things happen. That's what it sounds like. Talking about Worthy, um, spent a lot of time watching his film at Centennial High School out of Fresno, California. And, and what makes me more excited about X versus his skill set is who he's playing for. Because we've seen Steve Sarkeesian use Jalen Waddle in this kind of, and Clint's exactly right. He's going to figure out who, if that's his guy, he's going to figure out who the weak link is in the secondary, and he's going to exploit them. Similar to how Sark's offense at Alabama exploited the linebackers of Ohio State. If you want to go watch exploitation in motion, go watch uh, Borland, the middle linebacker, get stuck on Devontae Smith over and over and over and over again in the national championship game. And that's a hell of a coaching staff over there at Ohio State, but they had nothing they could do. To stop it. So yeah, that, that skill set that Xavier Worthy has to be able to run through uh, angles of, of, of safeties and corners, because just that breakaway speed, he's got the kind of coach, because we've had guys that are fast, but we haven't gamed them up or schemed them up to give them opportunities to get the ball in space and, and, and break away. So I, I think the coaching is going to help Xavier Worthy's skill set. I agree wholeheartedly. And Jeremy, okay, this is, a, this is a question for the group, and I want honest answers here. When is the last time, I think it's all fair to say that we're excited about this coaching staff. When is the last time that you can recall being this excited and having this feeling, not about the team, not about preseason, not about that, but about the coaching staff in, in like specifically? When's the last time that you can remember that? Honestly. Faces. I know we're doing a podcast here, y'all, but we're seeing some faces here. <laughs> Hannah, you were saying a year. I said 08, 09. 
Yeah. I'll be honest. Uh, off the Sugar Bowl. Like, I felt like Sam saying we're back. I really, really felt it because we dominated Georgia in the trenches. Yeah. Great. And we were 10, we were 10 and four. We had, that's why I was so disappointed about last year is we had the senior quarterback coming back. We lost to TCU. Again. We lost uh, Iowa State, both, both home losses, right? We didn't lose a game on the road. We lost by a combined 13 points over against teams we were better than. Yeah. Last year, they were breaking in Rattler. They benched Rattler. And, and, and we should have found a way to beat them. We should have found a way to beat TCU. We should have found a way to not play 15 points behind against Texas Tech. That's why this – our show, you're talking about our show. Our show had a perfect storm. We had <laughs> a pandemic, folks stuck at home, can't go to the football game, let's see what's going on. Then you had a coaching change. And then the move, Hannah talked about a little bit earlier, excited to go to the SEC. All these things happened in the first year of Texas football talk. So we had a perfect storm of, 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 I, of situations that kind of helped us blow up. It wasn't us. I don't think it was us as much as the situation. Hey, content, 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 right? Content. <laughs> I love it. No, well, we, you know, you made a, a great point. We, we lost by a combined total of 13 points. But And I'd, I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but I am pretty dang sure – on the flip side of that, we won all of our games by a total of like 21 points or something like Absolutely. that. It is, it, it is, so on any given day, we had no idea which Texas was showing up. Was it going to be the Texas that had the talent and the ability and the play calling to beat the absolute pants off of Georgia? Or is it going to be the Texas that just got embarrassed, like straight up embarrassed at TCU? And, and I think that was a large part of the anxiety last year, right? I, I remember rolling in pandemic and all rolling into these different stadiums going, you know, we're interacting with other fans and some of them are nice. Oh, take it easy on us. I'm like, listen, man, this is anybody's game. If we're, if we're being honest, I understand the whole weird Texas and we're back and all, but we ain't, and we aren't, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I agree, man. I'm, I'm excited. And I, and I have to wholeheartedly, I'm right there with you. I was in that stadium. I was at the sugar bowl. I was, you know, I was hyped. You couldn't take me off of cloud nine after that Sugar Bowl win. And I think we definitely overachieved that year. And then maybe it went to our heads and the coaching staff's heads a little bit. And I think it hurt us the following year because we, we did not, you know, we, we had bought into our own hype of, oh man, we just beat Georgia. And, you know, they say they don't want to be here, but clearly they did. That's a, it's a solid SEC team. It's a contender. You know, Georgia has been up there for a while. Texas, there was no question who dominated that game. And then we just bought into our own bullshit and fell on our butts the next year. So um, I, I definitely agree. Different vibe now. You know, it's, it's, this is always this is going to be, I knew this is going to be a difficult podcast when we started today. And the reason is because we're passionate about what we're, what we're talking about. And to me, that, that's what it's about. You know, um, Texas is hated by everybody. If you haven't figured out, you know, it's crazy. And if you didn't know it, you know it now, especially after, you know, the move with Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC, you think this year is going to be crazy. Uh, Megan, have fun at those locations you're going to on site because they are going to hate us and the, and the, and the, the Bulls got bullseye even got bigger. Let's go back to this coaching staff. I, I like the assistant coaches, believe it or not. Um, in this last year, I like the assistant coaches. I like Chris Ash. I think if you would have to give Chris Ash a non-COVID year, um, I, I think – because it went back to to making things simple, make things simple, make things simple. I think the problem is is that you had a head coach that played to lose or played to played to lose versus playing to win. And I think when you do that, you put your, there's no complimentary football. So as as a defense, you're always going to be put behind the chains uh, from an offensive coordinator in, in Tom Hermans, who's not going to he's always going to go by the binder. It's not going to be like all gas, no breaks, where every time I get the ball, I'm trying to score. I'm trying to slow the ball. I'm trying to slow the ball game down so I don't lose versus playing to win. And I think you always put your coaching staff in a, in a really in a, in a, in a bad situation playing at, at the way he was a head coach. So I'm going to say that the assistant coaches weren't bad, especially last year. I think the problem is you had a terrible head coach. Yeah. I, I like that you mentioned Tom Herman sticking to the binder because when Casey Thompson was asked, and we'll just we'll get, go ahead and get into the QB battle. When Casey Thompson was asked, um, you know, why is he's why is he a good fit? What's he learning? How's it going at camp? He mentioned Sark's advice to him was like it's kind of like a NASCAR driver, right? The quote he said, you know, you feel the curves, you feel the speed. And, you know, we learned this as athletes, we've all played sports, like how fast can you go smartly and safely? Go that fast, right? And But 
smartly and safely. And, and that's kind of what he's talking about as a NASCAR driver. Um, that, so, so Sark is, is more about the feel and the move and who's got the hot hand and how is the game going? And, and, Herman mentioned many, many times, well, the binder said, and then even when he rejected the binder and didn't go for the points, but the binder said, or let me refer to the binder. And, and, and maybe that was his analytical side that got him to where he was, but it just didn't connect on game day for the massive emotional environment of a Texas football game. So, yeah. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And if you, and you talked about our recruiting shows, right. And, and we have friends in the recruiting business, Mike Rocha 247, Nick Harris 247. And, and they say that same analytical and not feel for the game translated in recruiting, not feel for the athletes, not being personal, not creating those relationships. It was all analytical and not personal. Whereas you're absolutely right. We've watched videos on Steve Sarkeesian's offense. For the quarterback, it's very, very easy. You know, he has three routes. Three different receivers can move all over the football field depending upon matchups, and it's very easy for the quarterback. Like you said, run-pass option, run-pass option. If Bijan gets this look, Bijan's getting the ball. If, if we get this look, then we're going outside the Whittington or Worthy. It's very simplistic for the quarterback. They don't have to think, which makes them, as you say, play fast. And, and like I said, I, I just can't wait for September 4th to get here soon enough because I want to see all gas, no breaks. Kind of add to Jeremy, I, I, I think, because I think Rocky's trying to get to this whole quarterback thing, you know, like, hey – who, who's the quarterback prediction and, and kind of going through, you know, Steve Sarkeesian. Again, I, I think it comes back to, to not being robotic. It, it becomes – make it natural as possible. I think – and, you know, what Rocky was talking about, you know, he's talking about this NASCAR thing. You want to drive as fast as you can into the corners, right, without letting off the – without stepping on the brake and trying to get through the corners and coming out. And I think that has to do with not being robotic. And I think that's what Steve Sarkeesian wants to see when he picks the quarterback is that somebody that's not robotic, he gets out there, he doesn't have to think – Right. As a quarterback in his system, there shouldn't be a lot of thinking going on. It's like, hey, I look at the I look at the coverage. Uh, am I going to X, Y and Z or am I going to, to be John in the back or am I going to, you know, you know, like Hannah talks about those tight ends that can create mismatch nightmares against linebackers in the Big 12 that we haven't taken advantage of. Um, so uh, I'll let Rocky get back to her, her question on quarterbacks and, and we'll kind of go from there. Let's start with Megan. Who you got, Megan? Who would you say if you had to pick on? August 12th, who's starting QB when we're rolling out? Is it Case Thompson or Hudson Card? Listen, are you going to ask me my heart or my head? Because those are two different answers. My heart says Casey Thompson. It's his team. He knows the team. He knows the scheme. My head says, man, it's Hudson Card. This kid's been been slinging it at, at practice. He's been going in. And again, had you asked me this a week ago, I probably would have had the opposite answer, right? But from, from what we've been seeing, from what I've been seeing, it, it looks like Hudson is really making the plays. He's razor sharp. Uh, he, he's catching on faster than some had, had thought he might. Um, so again, part says Casey Thompson head. I got to go card. I will echo a little bit what you said, Megan. Like I, I, I want Casey Thompson, like, like deep down, I want him to have the chance that he deserves because he's been in the work. Um, um, I feel like Sarkeesian made like kind of a Freudian slip in a press conference the other day when he talked about the quarterback situation. He referred back to USC, Matt Castle versus Liner. And he 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 said he he ended up starting Liner first, even though Castle was the this like the the veteran, quote unquote, and still said that he went, he got drafted. Castle got drafted, like even though. Matt Liner started. That was a bit like, okay, 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 okay. I see where you're going. And he said that the current quarterback situation was the hardest, like it was the most difficult choice he's had to make. And then he referred to that, if that makes sense. That's where I'm going. All right, Clint, Jeremy, you guys got any predictions slash heart, heart slash head? (laughs) Uh, So Jeremy, Jeremy's point to me, and and it's funny because – if you are talking about hearts, uh, you know, heart slash head, and I think it comes down to, to it feels like if you look at Twitter, right? You look at Twitter, if you look at any boards, right? It's either your team, your your team Casey or your team Hudson. That's kind of where everybody's at, really. What we need So it's what it is. It's not a problem. It's not a bad problem to have. We haven't had a quarterback competition in four years at the University of Texas, and to me, you have the right, you have the right quarterback whisperer at the right time. 
to be able to get any of these guys that, that, that you have, because they're both uber talented guys. You know, obviously Hudson Card, if you look at recruiting rankings, was definitely, if you're looking at recruiting rankings, was definitely higher than Casey Thompson. But I look at it like this. Right now, it, like I've said before, and things can change. To me, right now, Casey Thompson, based on the little experience he has, just the very little experience he has, is 1A right now. That can change after the scrimmage. But if September 4 was to start today, I have to go with Casey Thompson just based on the experience alone. Do I think Hudson Carter is absolute? I think, do, do I think he, he can come in there and be absolutely magical? The best thing that Texas got going on for them right now is they have Steve Sarkeesian that he has two capable quarterbacks. He has to make a hard decision on who to start. I think that's the best part about all this. Clint, I got to say we're kindred spirits, man. You, you echoed things that I've said in the past. Again, like Casey deserves it. He earned it. But yeah, I love it, man. I love it. Jeremy, what about you? What do you think? I, I think we're all in the same boat. I, I'm going to plug a podcast that me and Clint did about a month ago. It's called Quarterback Arms Race. And what we did was Clint took Hudson Cards. I'm sorry, I took Hudson Card. Uh, film that I've watched when he was at Lake Travis, all of his measurables that I had read, uh, a little bit of feedback from what we saw in the spring game. And then Clint took Casey Thompson. He did the same thing. He talked about his, his appearance in the, in the Alamo Bowl. He talked about the six touchdowns, the one interception. You know, that game is tight. It's not like we were blowing Colorado out when he came in. And we extended the lead, ended up scoring 55 points, 53 points, somewhere in there. But I, if you'd asked me a month ago, I, Clint, Clint talked about Casey and I talked about Hudson, but I totally felt like everybody was going to be like, Clint's, the, Clint's right, and I intentionally took Hudson on purpose. Uh, but now, I, I like you, I have no idea, to be honest with you. And, and, and I, I don't think Steve Sarkeesian knows either, and I think Clint's right – this is a good thing. And the closer it gets to September 4th and a decision isn't made, and, and Hannah might be right. That may be a 40 and slip of him saying, hey, I'm with the lesser guy because I felt like he had the better arm talent. But at the same time, I, I'm not so sure that that decision has been made. And I think it's going to be rep to rep, practice to practice. And these scrimmages are going to tell him a whole lot. Uh, and, and I would look more for, 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 as Clint said a little bit earlier, players to start talking about picking sides, Team Hudson, Team Casey, because that's really going to tell you. Well, we heard from their press conferences this week that Casey Thompson, you know, he took it upon himself and Hudson Card, he took it upon themselves to have, you know, watching film with players and and you know go go over, try to install the new the new play calls and stuff. You know, it kind of, Kirk Bowles. Oh, he drives me insane. He drives me insane. I don't understand why he covers Texas. He knows I don't like him, um, but you don't have to say anything. You can be neutral, but I will. You can be Switzerland, but I will absolutely attack this man. He, of course, so he compares Casey Thompson in the in the press conference. He asked Casey Thompson, oh, "So, you know, you had this great performance at the ball game. You did bubble all these stats, but then you threw that pick six in the spring game, really." And of course, Casey Thompson's like, well, that's been eating me up. And I'm, you know, I, I threw that same play again in practice and it was wheel rot and it was great. And they scored or whatever he said, you know, like I learned from it. I'm getting better. But really, Kirk Bowles, you had to say, well, you threw the pick six in a spring game. And like, well, this is the chance to take shots and see what you got and see what works. Anyway, I, I, to answer the question, I, if I had to put money, I would say Casey Thompson um, takes the first snaps. Um, mostly because of the leadership and not because he's more vocal because, you know, like Hudson Card said, he leads by example. Um, but just because I feel like the way, if you looked at the Alamo bowl, Sam Ellinger's a leader, Sam Ellinger's a great player and he's already killing it and taking first team snaps of the Colts. But the fire that was lit under the entire offense and defense and special teams when Casey Thompson took over in the Alamo bowl, you you can't there, that wasn't fake that wasn't manufactured that was legit Casey Thompson they looked up to him and they were ready to go for Casey yeah Rocky I, I want to kind of touch on a couple things that you said number one I agree like I, this is reminiscent to me of of the Bouchelle and Ellinger debate right what I saw real time at the games was Bouchelle was an incredible quarterback no question but Ellinger just had that spark with the team. Whether he was more technically sound or not, it didn't matter. The team seemed to just give that extra level of effort for Ellinger. And I think that's ultimately what won him the job and played it out. So, so I agree with you heartily on that aspect. You also touched on something, you know, I, I know your board Bulls always gets under your skin a little bit, but you touched on something where, 
you know, practice is the time to try these things out. And I'm going to give a shout out and I can't believe I'm doing this. i got to give a shout out to Zach Wilson, the young rookie for the damn Jets that came out of BYU. He said something really similar. He said, listen, he practices exactly that time to take those shots. It's exactly the time to find where that limit is. Go up against guys and you're going up against your D and you're saying, all right, can I get away with this? Can I push it? And you get picked off in a practice. It doesn't matter, but that's exactly the time to do it. So I agree with those sentiments. And I, again, I can't believe I'm shouting out to the 12 year old Zach Wilson, but here we go. <laughs> Rocky, I, I will not be switching because I've told Clint this many times. If every Austin American statesman beat Ryder gave up their credentials, the Texas Longhorn fan base would be a hell of a lot more educated. I mean, Brian, Brian, Brian Davis with his averageness question at media days, how are you going to get us out of averageness? You write for a living, man. Like, I, I, I'm not impressed. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm, I agree. I'm, I, I'm not going to trash with some deep, good people. Kirk Bowles is the only one to trash on because he will take a 99% full glass and say, this 1% sucks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I have to jump in here and say, look, I, I, I know a lot of guys, I'm, I'm not going to dog on anybody specifically, but I will say something to keep in mind, Texas pre-screens all of the questions. So there are certain questions that are allowed to be asked and certain questions that aren't. So while I do agree with you roll your damn eyes sometime and go, Oh, come on, man. What kind of question is that? This is some real ridiculous line of questioning. Some of it comes from, well, my first three real questions were shot down by UT and I can't ask that. So I guess I'll come up with some fluff and here it is. And that's what we got. And I, and I, and I would think that's what helps our shows become more appealing. It's because we ask the questions and we have those conversations that, that don't get uh, talked about in the mainstream media. I mean, they may write about quarterback battles uh, or they may talk about, you know, scheme fits and, and, I'm not so sure a lot of them talk about the analytics of football and scheme and, and, and this kind of stuff we're talking about. And, and that gets said by the coaches and the players. And, and we're kind of, like I said, we're trying to educate what a, what a, what a two, four, five look like, looks like with the nickel and dime, especially with our players. Like I said, they come in and out, they're moving all over the place. So, but. All right, sweet. We will be bold. We will be brave. We will be a little bit crazy. We're going to give our predictions. And if we played Texas, no Delta variant in consideration here. We're going 12 full games. <laughs> Let's give a Texas season prediction, win-loss record. Um, if you have any shocking wins or upsets you want to throw in there, go for it. If you want to throw in anything Big 12, go for it. Let's cover Texas slash Big 12. Hey, I'm, I'm up at the top right hand. They can't see us, but I'm at the top right hand corner of the zoo. So I'll go first here. Um, so schedule predictions. So I can tell you that me and Jeremy are going to have a, we're actually, we've joined a, a network. We're doing a podcast as well um, under the PSTN podcast network. Um, so I think as of September 1st, that that's going to go live. Uh, nice little shout out there. Sorry about that. But uh, we're actually going to do a, uh, an actual, um, I guess, a season preview game by game, uh, game, by game at that particular point. So um, so things could change. Things could change, and they could change because obviously injuries and so on and so forth. Who the, who the starting quarterback is um, could change some of this stuff. So right now I have us going ten and two. Uh, I, you know, burn orange glasses on. Uh, losing to Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. I'm sorry. Hey, it is what it is. Uh, they they have a more talented team. They're probably one of the top teams in the in the country at this particular point. It would not surprise me if they win their first college football playoff this year. That's how talented they are. Okay. <laughs> they're they're first. I, I, I know, I know it's sad to hear that, but their first, their first college football playoff win um, this year. Um, I also have us losing in, in Ames, uh, you know, to Iowa, Iowa state. Um, so 10 and two, again, they're bringing back what 20 of 21 starters um, to a team that, that came into Austin and beat us last year. Uh, but I'm going to tell you this. I think even if you end the, the season at 10 and two, I think Texas has an opportunity to go to the Big 12 championship and may play against either Iowa State or Oklahoma. I would not give a prediction on that yet. So you have us with both of the beat writers that we're about the third best team in the Big 12. Yeah, on paper, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. I think the rankings got it right. And I like to start there anyway. I'd rather, I'd rather start when you're looking at the rankings, I'd rather Texas start somewhere between, you know, 20 and 25 and work themselves towards the top 10 versus being in the top 10. We never do really good. When we start that high, for some reason, our team falls apart. 
I think when we start a little higher in the rankings, we do better. We win. We start working ourselves towards that. Plus, we haven't gone 4-0. I think 4-0, I think, is what it is. We haven't gone 4-0, and I don't have like 10 years, I think. So to start off 4-0, I think start off against, you know, you, you know, you know Louisiana, which is a top 25 team, and then, you know, play Arkansas. You know, that's going to be a crazy game up there in Arkansas on the road. Um, second team, second game under Sarkeesian. And then you got a third game in Rice, obviously. And I think the fourth game, I think we go to TTU, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's a tough four, first four games. Um, no, so we have Tech. We have Tech. tech. Is Tech, tech at home? At home? At home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Jeremy, what you got? I'm sorry, y'all. But I – and I'm going to preface by, by saying I think we are right there with Oklahoma as the best roster in the Big 12. I will say that. When you talk about blue chip ratios and four and five stars, we are right there with them. 66% of our roster is, is a four or five star recruit. We've had top three classes multiple times and they're still, still, still here on campus. Uh, I have the same record as Clint, but my rationale is this. Again, I think Oklahoma, we had our chance to get Oklahoma last year when they were breaking Rattler in. He's now more experienced. I think they have as good a roster as we do. The Iowa State game, if it was played in Austin, again, I think we beat them by, by two touchdowns. But going up there to Ames against that, like Clint said, 20 out of 22 starters, is going to be a difficult game to win. What I'm excited about is I don't have to worry about TCU. I don't have to worry about Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas State, and all these other teams. I really feel like we're going to put our foot down against those football teams. Can we win those two football games I talked about we may lose? Absolutely, I think we can. But – Clint's right. We got to get off that hot start 4-0, put ourselves in the best position. We don't know where injuries are going to are going to lead us. We don't know who the start 11 are on each side at this point. Uh, but but those are the two games I think that, that we're definitely going to be able to compete. They're not blowing us out. I, I tell you that. They, these games are going to be tight and nip and tuck until the fourth quarter. We're going to just have to find a way to win. But I have us being 10-2. And, and like Clint said, I think we got we got a good shot of winning the big or playing in the Big 12 championship game. And we'll reserve our right to, to put that out. Uh, a little bit later when we have a little bit more, you know, ammunition in our weapon to, 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 to know. <laughs> All right, Hannah, what you got? Don't want to lose to Oklahoma, but I feel like it's the game that we're going to lose to. Uh, the, the game that we're going to lose, it's probably Oklahoma. But we could win it because we got the talent. Like, we just – there's so many, like, variables going on here. Like, we have a brand-new coaching staff. We're going we're gonna to see if they can expound upon, like, the talent that's actually there, which has not happened. That's the big question mark, right? Like, we haven't developed players. So, um, we'll see if Steve Sarkeesian and company can do that. Um, we could easily go, like, eight and four. Not, not making the call, not doing it. That said, that said, like, if, if we're going to drop a game, it better be to Oklahoma. And so I, I, I will say what, 11 and one going into the big 12 title game, right? It's possible. What we should see, that's where I'm headed. That, that's where I feel like we should be 11 and one with the only drop being to Oklahoma, because that's where our talent lies. All right. All right. Where will we actually be, Megan? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> no, listen, I'm going to come in with some crazy hot take. Uh, and I, I'm sure I'm going to get roasted from this, but bring all the smoke because why not? I'm feeling froggy tonight. Uh, I think Texas opens up with a loss. I think Texas looks at, uh, we got number 19, Texas and number 23. Uh, yeah, I know y'all are shaking your heads, but I'm going to say this now, now stay with me here. y'all. I do think what's going to happen is Texas comes in with a really close game and we either squeak it out or we have a close loss and then all of a sudden, we see Sark go from being Ted Lasso to Led Tasso. I don't know if you oh. watch that show, but then I think Texas goes on a run, and we run the Big 12. I, I'm, I'm going to make some crazy-ass prediction mm. here. Say we kind of get caught on our haunches uh, a, a little bit in the first game and then run it, and we're in the Big oh, 12 no. championship, and, and, and we take it. I'm going to do it. It's crazy. It's weird, but why not? Like If Sark goes oh. in one Oh man, the, the DKR could burn. That new lit up uterus that they run out of, it's going to explode. It is a longhorn. Do not pull that sooner bullshit here, girl. <laughs> I would, I would, <laughs> it. Fair, I would rather lose to Louisiana than Arkansas. No, at least Arkansas is a power five team. Oh, I would rather, God. I would rather beat Arkansas, especially where we're headed. 
Agreed. Then, then loose. Yeah, every yeah. fiber of my being I, hates everything about Arkansas. So yeah. agree. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I have us realistically about a nine and three this year. I take. I have us winning at least one of Oklahoma and Iowa State. But I do see us falling to something funky like an at West Virginia, an at TCU. I just, it happens. And until it doesn't happen, I wouldn't bet money that it doesn't happen. So every year it's going to be a TCU, a West Virginia, a Tech, something that just gets us. And until it doesn't, I wouldn't bet money that it does not happen. So I'm going to say I'm, I'm comfortable with a nine and three, but I don't. I think I think we take one of OU and or and or Iowa State. That's where I'm at. I can't I can't do another Megan. We can't do another Maryland. We we cannot do this over again. So I'm gonna have to wholeheartedly disagree with you. We're not we're not gonna use we're not gonna lose to Louisiana at home. You know what I'm saying? It, it, I get it. Louisiana's top 25 team. They went in. They beat Iowa State. I think by multiple touchdowns last year. But you got to go back and watch that Iowa State Louisiana game. There was a lot of things that happened in that game. Um, that caused that. So I, I don't think I think Louisiana is a good team. Don't, don't get they got a lot of guys coming back. I just don't think they're as talented. Uh, I think again, going to that Oklahoma game, I, where I feel really comfortable, Oklahoma and Texas. Again, I, I kind of went back and forth on this one is because I feel really comfortable about Steve Sarkeesian against Alex Grinch from a coaching from a coaching schematic standpoint. But I feel really really good about Riley versus Pete Witkowski. Because Pete Wachowski, if you look at what he's done against air raid offenses, and again, Lincoln Riley doesn't run a complete yep. air raid offense, but a semblance of it, he's done really, really, really good at that. If you go look at the Apple Cup and what he's done against Leach, I think he's given Bingo. up, I think at the most, 13, 13 points. Yep. So I think it really comes down to not what Sark does on the offensive side of the ball when it comes to really the schedule prediction. It's what happens on the defensive side of the ball. What we can't allow is we can't – our defensive backs are going to be really good. I think Rocky – Rocky hit it on, on the head, talking about the, the linebacker, what we brought in as far as linebackers go. But we cannot finish 108th-ranked defensive back in the country again. We cannot continuously do that. So if you see a change, if you see a, a big difference, which I think you will see as far as defensive back goes, I think the defense is what's going to lead us to the – really to this prediction, not much, not so much the offense. So, And, and I do want to say one thing, uh, Megan, I'm, I'm praying <laughs> – they will quit the show. So, so no, we do a post game show. We do a live post game show after every every football game. Uh, I think we're the only. I am impressed you know, with that because I'm usually too hammered to manage anything. Oh, I there was a couple times. Well, I was you're also like last year. Off of your- There's a couple times. Raw emotion. <laughs> no, Iowa State was rough on me. Iowa State, I had too many, and we got on. We got on about thirty minutes after and tried to talk. Clint's like, dude, like you're 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 stuttering, but. So, but I will say, I will say, Clint almost Clint Clint did try to quit the show a couple times post game last year, uh, because they're they're tough to get on, like you said, after a ball game that we should have won and talk about it. So, yeah, Louisiana loss first game of Sark's tenure will not be good for Texas football talk. I promise you. So we can't have that. Take it back. I hope I'm wrong. I, I really do. I I we're I'm putting a crazy prediction out there. Can I see it going either way? Absolutely. And I hope I'm wrong. But listen, I would take a first game loss to run the rest of the season and win the Big 12 versus losing to goddamn TCU again. So I'll just put that out there. We can't lose to TCU or Iowa State. Wrapping it all up is that Steve Sarkeesian himself is like an offensive guru. More so than Herman, clearly. Can we not use that term, please? That said, we've got the the defensive side of the ball, like, is more solid. Like, it's more, like, wrapped up. Like, there's more returning guys. We've got more, yeah, there's less question marks on the defensive side of the ball. So, I think that kind of the blend of, well, yeah, there's a lot of question marks on the offense, but we have Sarkeesian. And we got, we got Bijan. (laughs) <laughs> and y'all know me like and I love my Bijan so yeah we got Bijan I want to see it play out all right speaking of playing out who's the big 12 champion at the end of the season Jeremy Oklahoma all right Clint it's Oklahoma like I said I think Oklahoma wins their first college football playoff game this year I think they really do but I think it's a good thing I think it's a good thing for Texas 
I think it's a good thing for Texas because if Texas goes to the Big 12 championship, they play Oklahoma really well. Oklahoma beats them, goes to, to win a college football playoff. It's, it's not the worst thing in the world because I think that shows you where Texas is and can be over the next few years. All right, Megan. All right. <laughs> Megan? Uh, listen, I, I'm already out here and I'm already making some crazy ass predictions. So fuck it. I'm going to own it. Texas. Let's call it. Like I said, I think they run the table. They take the big 12 Texas overachieves. Let's do this. Yeah. Hannah, uh, on paper, Oklahoma. All right. I'm going to say Iowa state. What? <laughs> no, we can't go to the sec with Iowa state winning. <laughs> I, I know <laughs> we can't do that. They're froggy y'all. And I'll tell you weird shit happens in Ames at night. It is, it is a crazy place, and that is going to be a night game. Let's just own yep. that now. This weird shit so, happens in Iowa. It, it does. It just does. All right, one last question, y'all, and then we'll let you go, because we really appreciate your time. We love having you guys on here. But I got one last random-ass prop bet for you. This season, what is the over-under for Texas being featured on college game day? I'm going to say, is it like we're going to put it at two over or under? I got, I got two. I think they're going to be in, I think they're going to be in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I think they're going to be there. And I think uh, if, if I think we're Texas, I think if Texas and Iowa state are, uh, are pretty close in, in, in are really ranked um, within the top 15 or 10, which is possible. I, I think uh, Iowa state will probably be another college game day opportunity as well, but I don't, I don't know what other teams play those weekends or what other games there are. I'm just kind of going off of what could possibly happen. I think Arkansas and, and Iowa state are probably the two where you see game state game day. I think if my my two losses again were Oklahoma and Iowa State. If you're undefeated going to Oklahoma, they're definitely at the State Fair in my mind. They're definitely there, and and like Clint said, I I feel like they'll be at Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh, just because the whole storyline takes to the SEC uh, and ESPN. Again, they're helping us out, you know, making this move happen. So put put us in there, and there, it's a storyline. You know, they get to talk about Texas to the SEC the whole day long and make it a night and game in Fayetteville. We get after. Let's talk about it. For me, I'm going to say three. Why not? Again, I'm all about these crazy predictions. I agree with what y'all are saying. I think definitely Arkansas. There's already been some conversation about ESPN coming in and claiming like staking land already. They do that a while in advance. So, yeah, I think Texas, Arkansas, I think Texas OU becomes a huge storyline because that determines the big 12 moving forward. And then, yeah, I got to agree. I think Ames gets a really big boost as a, as a city and it's Texas and Iowa state in what potentially could be the last big 12 showdown when Iowa state is high. So I'm going to go with three. Can I rebut one thing that Megan said real quick before y'all go, Megan, if we lose to Louisiana, I don't think game day is coming to Arkansas. Oh, I disagree with that. Cyclist conference, the hate versus the hate, the 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 Big Twelve versus the SEC. I think it's a huge storyline that there's such passionate fan bases behind both. They could both come in as complete losers and still be a huge draw nationally. So that's 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 my thoughts on it. Um, I think the two games most likely are Arkansas and OU. And Arkansas, because we're about to join the Southeastern Conference. So that's already a story, right? Like that that game suddenly rose as far as importance, did it not? That game matters now more than ever. Like we have to look good against the SEC, right? Um, and then, of course, we're joining with Oklahoma and Oklahoma is our big rival and they're always good. I think those two games for game day, if, if game day is ever going to show up at Texas game this year, it's going to be those two. And I'll say, I would think the over-unders too, and I'd go under because there's so much college football here. Like, there's just so much that they need to catch up on. I, while I think Iowa State's coming in hot as a top 10 team in some polls, and they could still be with maybe just one loss by that point, by the time we play them, I could see that being a hot game if Texas can hold their end. That'd be a fun game. But like you like you mentioned, Clint, it could be the weekend of another big rivalry or, you know, the big, I haven't looked either that weekend, what other games are going on. But I would say, you know, when Texas comes to town, Arkansas would never get a game day if Texas wasn't coming. So that's pretty fun. Here we go. <laughs> So, so one game you got to worry about October 9th, the same the same day that, that Texas plays Oklahoma, right? Is AM plays uh AM plays Alabama that same weekend. So uh, October 9th weekend. So that's that's also gonna be a big game. At Bama so, or at College Station? At College Station. Mm-hmm. At College Station. So yeah, there's a big draw there. Well, hopefully AM will be, you know, 
completely defeated going into that game. Yeah. They won't <laughs> listen. And I've said this time and again, AM's a formidable team right now. So you know, we like to talk our trash and 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 play around on Twitter, but they're they're right now, Jumbo's got got everything firing on all cylinders. So that will you're that's an excellent point. I do think it's also a very big reason why they don't want Texas to join the SEC. All right. Well, let's let's wrap it up. Thank you so much, Jeremy, Clint. You guys are amazing. You're doing great work. Again, thank you for your service. Thank you for what you're putting out to keep us up to date on recruiting and breaking down the, the games and really watching film and being knowledgeable about the pro high school, even the high school programs that are contributing to University of Texas football. Thank you for all of the, the info you're giving us. Hopefully the people who may not have heard you yet will now find you and support you. And we'll just see. Again, we appreciate being on here. Thank you. Uh, like the invite was it, the invite was fast. The, the 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 DM went through, and it was it was absolutely um, hell yes, let's do this. And I think I, I I can't wait to hear this 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 podcast when it comes out. And the reason is is because everybody's passionate about our, our program, and I, I think right now we're at a good spot. Uh, you, we talked about coaches, and I think this is probably the best coaching staff we've had at the University of Texas in a really really long time. And, and it's it comes down to scheme and development. Can these can these coaches develop our players? Something we haven't seen. Um, really in the last decade. And, and I think if you can bring all the, the players in, the talents players in to the University of Texas, but the problem is if you can't develop them and get them to where they need to be at to be able to beat some of these teams that, that we shouldn't have lost to over the last decade, I think that's the most important thing. But uh, we, I'll tell you what, we appreciate being on here. I'm a, y'all going to have to come on our show one of these days um, on, on YouTube. We're going we're gonna to send you a link for a live, which may be really, really, really crazy. That. So that's going to be wild. So um, it'll be fun. It'll be fun because it'll be like a roundtable. And, and and I can tell you, it's always easier to to be on somebody else's podcast because we don't have to host it, which is which is really, really easy for us because we sit back and we listen. Thank you, Rocky, uh, for for definitely bringing us on here. Anywhere they can find you. You can find us on, on YouTube at Texas Football Talk. So if you just, you know, go into YouTube, uh, type in Texas Football Talk, we're there. Um, you can find us on Twitter at TX Football Talk, on Instagram at Texas Football Talk, and on Facebook at Texas Football Talk. That's why he does it. That's why I pointed him because he does the intros and the outros. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll sign off now. We'll let you guys say goodbye. Hook them. That's it, man. That's hook them. This is another episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Rocky. I'm Al. And I'm Megan. And we are Fire the Cannon. <laughs> <laughs>